Are you ready to learn more about promoting play, defending childhood, empowering caregivers? Save 10% on professional development at explorationsearlylearning.com and support the show with the coupon code OOL. Click the link in the show notes to browse upcoming trainings. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Out of Line. I'm Annie. I'm Candace. And Candace and I are joined tonight by Samuel Broden of Honoring Childhood. Hi, Samuel. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Yes, we are so excited to have you. Give us a quick, give our listeners a quick introduction of who you are and where they can find you. Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm Samuel Broden. I um, am the owner and founder of Honoring Childhood. I've been working in the early education field for about 16 years now. Um, I've been a teacher of all ages. I'm currently a director of a Montessori program here in Oregon. And with Honoring Childhood, I just offer training, support, and resources for parents and teachers of young children. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at Honoring Childhood, and you can check out my podcast wherever you're listening now. Um, Same name, Honoring Childhood. Um, And yeah. Awesome. Thank you. And Samuel, we came to know you through the work of Kristen R.B. Peterson. Um, Please, everybody go find her. She's got fabulous resources and um, lots of stuff, materials and ideas that just um, everybody needs to get a hold of. So Kristen hosts some camp play stuff and lots of seminars and workshops. And, um, she's all over the Instagram world. She's an Insta oh, yeah. star these days. She's amazing. And what's so wild is she's actually in town. She just flew into town today to go do some speaking engagement. And I'm literally going to go see her like, as like after we're done with this, <laughs> Yay, give her a big hug for us. Yes, yes. Awesome. We love that. All right. So, um, content warning tonight, we are going to be talking about, Um, gun play and weapon play, which is a very sensitive topic right now, especially with some recent school shootings and other violence in schools and communities around. Um, It feels like a pertinent topic that comes up from time to time. Uh, We mentioned on our last episode with Ash Jefferson, when we talked a little bit about this, how um, we see a spike in both people asking about and people banning weapon play in schools and childcare programs and other things that are similar to that. So we want to dig in a little bit more with Samuel um, on the benefits and the nuances of weapon and gun and power play in general. Um, So yeah, Samuel, do you have any bans in your program or any um, restriction on weapon and gun play? Um, so for me personally, um, no, I don't. Um, for me, it it really it really all started a couple of years ago, and I tell this story all the time because it's how I came to even think about this topic of play in a deeper way. Um, I was working in a forest school um, as a kindergarten teacher, and I was noticing a lot of the children were, you know, using the sticks and using all those types of things as guns and swords and things like that. And obviously, like, I feel like a lot of our automatic responses, you know, is is no, or, or we don't do that. And I just started like, thinking, like, let me just take a step back and think about why 
I'm saying no. And, and what's the reasoning behind it, you know? And I just decided to have a conversation with the children about it um, just to kind of see what they felt and to kind of get their, their viewpoint on, on that type of play. Um, and it was interesting because they automatically all thought that they were in trouble. Of when- course, of course, because whoever, like, first of all, everyone like highlight that real quick here, Samuel, you had a conversation with kids about something they were doing. Yes. yes. That's like my biggest thing too, is like just conversations. And so I just decided to have one with them and I brought up, you know, I noticed that, you know, you all were playing, you're playing a lot with this type of thing and guns and swords and stuff. And they all, you know, were like, no, we're not doing that. And I was like, no, it's okay. Like no one's in trouble. Like I want to talk about it. So it took them like a good five minutes to get comfortable with the idea that like they weren't going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just talked about it. I asked them why, why, you know, why, what do you like about this play? What do you like to do? You know? And they just shared all these things that they like to do about it. You know, it, it's, it's fun. Really. They just really enjoy make-believing and being pretend people and all of that. And, so we were able to have like a really beautiful conversation just about, you know, what that means and making sure that, you know, we're all comfortable with that type of play. Um, we were able to talk a lot about consent in that conversation, which was something I wasn't really planning on. I didn't really have a plan for the conversation, but it was something that came up really organically. And I was like, oh, wait, this is actually happening. We're talking about this right now. This is so cool. And so like, it was really beautiful to kind of have that conversation and and come to these agreements with the children about this type of play and how we can do it appropriately and how we can support everybody and support people who don't want to play um, and all of that. And so it was really great. And so it was such a beautiful conversation for me that I really wanted to just like share that with everyone. So I just started talking about it all over the place and I have to say, like, it was like a 50-50 reaction to people when I was starting to talk about about weapon play. And it's very interesting because I got a lot of really positive feedback when I talked about it, like, let's say on Instagram. And I got a lot of really negative feedback when I talked about it, like on Facebook, right? And so it was really interesting to see the dynamic like that. But (laughs) I was like, wow, this is really like a, a, a hot button issue. And it was just... For me, I feel like the benefits that children can receive from weapon play are very, very important. Um, At the same time, I also understand that we have to take into consideration things going on in the world, where children and families are located, what they have access to, what they see on a normal basis, um, and what is comfortable for each program in itself, you know, I, I was never trying to say, you know, everyone should do it and let your kids do all this, you know, it's really more so about that conversation piece for me, more so than really having to allow that type of play. Um, The play is important, and I allow it, and we have continuing conversations about it. But for me, it's really just about the conversation period whether you're going to allow the weapon play or not is, is a choice that you make on your own, Mm -hmm. but all children should have space to talk through things like this, talk through what those things mean, especially with the things that are going on in the world right now, you know, these school shootings and things, it's trauma for us to listen to and to watch 
But imagine how much trauma that is for children who are not understanding anything. Bad things are happening at the place that they're going to be safe, you know? Mm. And a lot of times parents and adults like to shy away from having those conversations with good intentions. Obviously they don't want to bring up things that are going to upset their children, but children have to have some sort of outlet to work through that trauma and work through those feelings. And so being able to have a space where the conversation is welcome and the conversation is okay to have with them um, is, is really, really important. So even if we're not, excuse me, letting them play that way, we still should be letting a conversation happen around weapons and what they mean and what's going on and give children a space to really be able to, to work through that. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people probably are listening saying, well, my kids don't watch the news or we don't listen to the news at home. Um, But I think there's, these are all those little things that we think we can protect our kids from, or we think that they're not paying attention to, but if they don't watch the news at home, their friend might, or their classmate might, um, if they're in a school or center-based program, there's a high likelihood they're doing code red drills. I will never forget when my oldest came home from kindergarten one day and told me there had been a shooter in the school, which I was pretty sure I would have heard, (laughs) but you never know these days. Um, but it was just a code red drill, but even that had not been communicated to me. So I didn't, I was really caught off guard and I'm an educated participant, um, foreign participant in this, but I still was really caught off guard because I wasn't prepared to have the conversation. Um, and the principal at the time used the excuse of like, well, we can't tell you when they're happening because they're surprise drills. They have to be ready for it. And I was like, okay, but (laughs) there are some conversation pieces and support, right? Like, so if you're in education or childcare and you are one of the people kind of implementing some of these, you know, ideas that might keep our kids safer or might prepare them for something like this. Um, keep in mind that you can have that conversation with families too, because they might not be equipped to have those conversations. Um, so sending home resources and things like that. Right. Exactly. And it's, you know, <laughs> that's, it's funny that the principal said that because it's like, on one hand, you're like, yeah, I understand that. But on the other hand, it's like, I'm not really asking you to tell me the specific day and time that you're doing it. You could just tell me that it's something that's happening or that you're working on. So we can at least have the conversation. Like, I don't need to know that you're doing it at 10 o'clock on Tuesday or whatever. Right. Um, but that is important because, you know, I feel like a lot of times, um, especially like in, in early education, we can sometimes forget that our partnership with the parents is such a huge part of the work that we do. Um, we can focus so much on the work that we're doing with the kids um, that we sometimes forget that piece and that the families are looking to us to give them those resources, to give them that support. Um, especially when it comes to times like this, you know, I've already had so many families come to me asking me like, you know, what's going on? How are you feeling? What are we doing? Like, we're feeling really anxious and scared. Our kids are feeling really anxious and scared. What are we doing about this? And being able to have those open and honest conversations with both the children and the families, I think is super important because it's, it's something that affects everybody. And we're partners with the families in raising these young children. And so I think that that's something really important um, to, to always remember. So I mean, I think it's, I think that it's a positive thing to allow children to explore in this way. Um, 
Yeah, tell us more about that. What are some of the yeah. benefits you see happening and coming? Yeah. From so for me, first of all, this is this is a type of play that children are going to um, explore naturally, no matter what happens, no matter if we say yes, we say no, whatever. This is something that's going to just come naturally. Um, it's something that many of us did when we were younger. Um, and so that's that's the first piece is that this play is going to happen whether you're going to talk about it or not, right? Um, but for me, the the things that, that can benefit the children the most is number one, they're learning um, empathy when they're playing with others in this way. They're learning about, you know, cause and effect and how to really feel empathetic and help other people. They're learning to trust themselves, which is a huge piece of, of all these kinds of play, this weapon play, this risky play, all these things. They're learning to really trust in themselves and trust in their own agency to know how they're feeling inside and also how to speak up about that. Um, especially when we're having this conversation with them where we're saying, you know, if you're uncomfortable with this type of play, like you can speak up for yourself and you can say stop and the person will need to stop. And just giving them that power is is really, really important. And that's really going to carry them throughout their life. Um, and also just they're learning how to work together and communicate with each other um, in sometimes times that are they're not really agreeing with each other or they're not really thinking the same thing. They're still working on these conflict resolution things during this type of play as well. And then obviously the idea of consent, I think, is the biggest thing that children can learn from this because this is a really great way to to bring that up in a way that's natural as opposed to like, we're all going to sit down and talk about what this means. Um, like, I don't even think that I even ever said the word consent in the conversation. Um, it was the idea behind it. And, and all of those things that come from being able to give or not give consent and have that be okay um, can bleed into so many other aspects of their life. Um, and especially knowing, like, if you're uncomfortable, say no. If someone tells you that they're uncomfortable, then you need to stop. Um, whether that's with play, whether that's with your body, whether that's with your feelings, whether it's with whatever. Um, this is a really great way for the children to learn about that and to practice it. Uh, and that was one of the best things for me was <clears throat> the conversation was great. But then as the days went on, we would obviously have continuing conversations as the play went. But me being able to listen and hear them say to each other, I don't want to play this anymore. Okay, well, you know, Jackson said he doesn't want to play anymore. So we need to stop because he said stop. And when someone says stop, we have to do it right. And just even hearing that. I'm like, oh, I was like, yes, that, yes, you're right. Yes. yes. You know, I didn't, I, it's like, I, I want to go over there and be like, yay, like you did. And it's like, I just kind of sit back and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's right. You know, <laughs> like, so, I knew that would happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's like just hearing that and seeing that is, is, is really great and seeing them grow that trust in themselves and, and to be able to speak up for, for who they are and what they want and what they don't want is, is the biggest goal for me really, because, you know, I got, I got into this work so that I could be the adult that I needed when I was younger. And so if I had had somebody when I was younger to tell me like, 
it's okay to say that you don't like something. Your words have value. You have power. Um, I might not have spent so much of my young adulthood trying to figure out who I was and how to be okay with who I was. Um, and, you know, we don't want the children to kind of have the same struggles that we went through. Right. And so by introducing these topics to them and, and giving them space to speak up and to know that their words have value and they have value and I respect what they say, um, is is really really powerful and this is a great way to do that um obviously there are other ways that children can learn those things right so that's what people say to me a lot of times like well they don't need to do that to learn about all these things right and i'm like no you're right they don't i'm just saying that in my experience these are the things that the children have learned from this that i have actually seen them take into themselves and actually use and things that i've heard families continue to tell me two years later now that the children are still saying these things to them or to others or even to I had one that told me you know they told the grandpa like no I don't I don't want you to hug me right now or whatever right which is such a huge thing and it's just like and they the mom was like yes that's great and the grandpa was mad and she was like no don't be mad that's good (laughs) um so yeah I mean obviously they can learn those things from other things but for me, this is just a really great way for them to learn it because they're already doing this play. And I'd rather have a conversation with them about it. I'd rather talk with them about appropriate ways to do things, how to be respectful of people than to not say anything or just say no and not have a conversation and have them doing it in a way that maybe is more dangerous or is not as respectful as it could be. So Mm. for me, I'm like, if it's going to happen, I might as well have a conversation about it and, and, and let them talk it through and let them understand the best way that they can do it and still be supportive of the people that they're participating with. Um, but I mean, it definitely can be a hard thing for a lot of people to, to get their minds around just because it's, it's just always been something that is just not allowed. Right. Um, and so I think again, the conversation piece is important because there are going to be children and families who live in areas where gun violence is very prevalent or they've had personal experiences with gun violence or weapons. Um, and I mean, nowadays it's like, that is almost everybody, you know, everyone is is dealing with these things in their own way. And so I feel like there are times where maybe it is, that isn't something that you want the children to do because it has such a negative impact on on their life and their community but again if children are living somewhere where that is so prevalent that is a heavy dose of trauma for them and they probably don't have anywhere to talk about that because it's probably something that isn't talked about or is only talked about in the way of like you are not going to go do that you are not going to be a part of that this is not what it is but there isn't a space for them to have like an honest conversation about how it makes them feel. Are they scared about it? Do they not understand it? Um, They don't really have a space for that. And, and that's what we should be giving them. So whether you're wanting them to play that way or you're not giving them that space to be able to talk about their feelings is very, very important. Um, And they can talk about all those benefits as well in those conversations. Um, 
So it's never, it's never anything like, I think every child in every program and every family should be playing with guns and being able to, and being able to do all that, you know, it's, it's, it's specific to everyone's story and everyone's experience. Um, and we, you know, we need to be respectful of that, but we also need to make sure that we're giving children space to work through trauma so that it doesn't carry with them. And, you know, they don't grow up with these fears that have never been resolved or this anxiety that is just built and built and built. And, you know, now they're an adult who's anxious all the time or, you know, whatever it is. And so uh, for me, it's, it's really, it really just comes down to that conversation, honestly. Yeah, I, um, and I think so much of this too comes like the want, the desire to limit the play often comes from our own beliefs or experiences with guns, right. Or political beliefs. And I think that's the thing, again, we, we often put an adult lens on these childhood experiences and they don't have the lens, the experience, the knowledge, the, um, collected trauma, you know, even if they have experienced some events that have caused trauma for them, but like you said, when you said um, you wanted to start that conversation, they were all like, oh, we're not doing anything. Like yeah, there's yeah, so yeah. much shame they're holding around uh, any of these kinds of controversial play topics that make adults uncomfortable. Kids know when adults are uncomfortable around whatever topic, right? Like if it's, um, you know, using anatomically correct words for their anatomy, as opposed to like your hoo-ha, right? right. Like they know it's yeah. going to make the adults in the room blush and they already like have internalized that shame and it's the same with, with guns. They know it's something um, that makes adults uncomfortable. And so really setting aside our own adult lens and realizing it's not about that. And, and we're not saying everyone should go out and buy a gun, but we're also saying like these kids know people who have guns or they've seen guns and also not all guns are violent and dangerous right like many kids have squirt guns by the time they're in the toddler years right like there is power in holding a squirt gun as well um even if they don't know we have one young child um candace what is what does our one child say about guns they use the throwing (laughs) why are they throwing at each other are they throwing guns I wish they would stop throwing guns at each other right like so this person knows about guns and they've heard some things and they know guns are dangerous they clearly don't have personal experience about guns themselves so but they you know they still have an awareness of it so yeah that power that they can play out that they won't need to figure out later in life um, or even currently in life right like if you can have power to play in consensual ways with your classmates and friends without needing to grab that power, right? Because when they're able to play openly like this, they shift power. It's not always the same person holding the power. Um, Sometimes they're the guard with the gun and sometimes they're the princess in the castle. And um, that that changes uh, based on that stuff. And it's so interesting, Annie, that you said about the the adult lens that we put on things, because I feel like that is so often what we do with children just in general, you know, when we are telling children not to do things, no matter what it is, 
more often than not, it's because it's something that either we don't like or we're uncomfortable with. It's not something. So it's like, we really have to take that step back and think about like, okay, why am I saying no to this? Or why am I not allowing this? Is this really something that is dangerous or whatever? Or is this really just something like, I just don't want to deal with it, you know? And that could be anything from something like this, or it could be something from like, why am I not taking the kids outside when it's raining? Is it because I don't want them to be in the rain or is it because I don't want to be in the rain? Right. And which one is the most important thing there? You know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next episode, Sammy will be on to talk about. (laughs) Yes. It's so true though. Like, and, and even just, I think we've helped, um, Candace and I fielded a lot of questions since, um, the shooting in Texas recently, because, um, it was so impactful. Right. And, and so a lot of our families who are more pacifists and don't have guns in their homes are the ones saying like, no, I can't allow this. Why should I? Um, but again, like once you just kind of remind them that these kids don't have the same, uh, mm-hmm. lens as they're viewing it through it, it changes it yeah that's a great point reflect back on yourself and why you're shutting it down yeah exactly because yeah you're right a lot of it is because of that and and not just in this and so I think that that's a huge piece in all that we do with children whether it's parenting whether it's teaching any age really it's it's really about the self-reflection piece so that we can create a better space for the children mm. which is I mean the goal should be Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Samuel, thank you for coming tonight and chatting with us about this. Um, We have lots more to say on this topic and we will um, invite you back to continue the conversations on power play because gun play is only one element. um, And it's one that we're kind of really on the tip of our tongues right now with the, with the recent violence around the country and world. But um, Yes. So again, you can find Samuel Broden at Honoring Childhood, Instagram and podcast and um, Kristen.rb.peterson on Instagram is another great resource. Uh, We mentioned last episode, we found a lot of uh, resources handy on playvolutionhq.com under Mm -hmm. power and weapon play. Um, And you can go there also listen to our podcast directly on that site and, um, on-demand trainings. They have a lot of, them. uh, use the code OOL for out of line to get a discount and find us at, at living out of line on Instagram. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye. It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Explorations Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.